Hello, I'm Caroline Oakley and this is episode two of the Live Now Play Later podcast. The podcast is about introducing to you some brilliant new artists, singer-songwriters, music creators and producers on the UK underground scene that are making some incredible music across different genres who we think you should listen to and hear their music. The podcast will hopefully inspire those of you out there who are starting out or not too sure about what to do next or if they should take the plunge and release their own music. And that's what we hope to do is inspire you to say yes you can. These are music creators who are doing this and having great success and this is how they're doing it currently. Today's episode is with singer-songwriter Blonid. I met Blonid through Clubhouse which is a brand new audio interface app and earlier this year, it's 2021, there was a lockdown in the UK. We were not able to meet anyone in person and I discovered and connected with Blonid through that audio interface app. I've just been really impressed with everything that she's doing. She's released her debut single, Fool's Gold, which is a beautiful song and you should definitely go check it out. I'll be playing a little bit of the song during the episode and talk to her about her process for songwriting. The song has been greatly received, played on new music shows on Radio 1 and picked up in the new music press and blogs as well. She's currently starting out performing live with shows planned for October and November 2021. So if you like Blonde's music, please follow her on her social media channels, which I have linked below, and definitely go get tickets for one of her live shows, as I'm sure she would really appreciate your support. This is episode two, and this is Blonde. Bitter taste of champagne Lost control again I feel it in of life unchanged and I know we can't be so and yet this feeling grows from solace in your fool's gold it's all I've Blonnet, lovely to meet you and thank you for doing the Live Now Play Later podcast. Um, tell me a bit about yourself and, and your music. Yeah, um, well first of all thank you for having me, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yep, so my name's Blonnet, I'm uh, an Irish uh, indie folk singer-songwriter um, and um, I would describe my music as I guess a mix of Joni Mitchell, uh, Bonnie Iver, um and just kind of general cinematic vibes i hope yeah it's beautiful i i first heard your music um fool's gold on um i think we spoke on clubhouse which we'll talk a bit more about and then i listened to your music i was like wow that song's so beautiful (laughs) stunning because i think i followed you on then social media and then i was just like that is such a stunning song um so yes um I've I've asked that this on the Ollie interviews this week as well because I think it's a really important question, particularly now. So just to to set the scene, it's August, late August, um, and uh, it's twenty twenty one. So we've had a number of lockdowns. Uh, we're not in lockdown at the moment. We're in central London, at a brilliant place, um, a podcasting room, um, in in central London, and um, 
But it's such a difficult time anyway for everybody and creatives in particular. And obviously you're doing music and it's obviously your passion. But why music? Why did you get started? How did you get started? And, and you also you're from Ireland and you're in London. So yes. I'd love to know that story <laughs> as well. Um, so I started playing music from a very young age. Um, I started playing violin aged four, I think it was. Um, and kind of picked up some other instruments along the way. Um, and I always loved singing, but I never, um, I never wrote my own songs. Um, I tried my hand at it uh, a few times when I was at school and stuff like that, um, but the songs were just never, never any good. And uh, compared to some of the people, for example, like in my music class who were much better than me, I thought, well, it's, um, it's clearly not a natural gift of mine, um, and therefore I'll just, I'll just sing, sing other people's songs, um, which still brings me great joy. And I think there's something beautiful in bringing your own interpretation um, to a song um, and giving it kind of a, or tapping into that universal meaning of it. Um, but I started doing open mics um, and stuff at university, and went to and played kind of uh, small folk festivals around the UK and sang in uh, Irish pubs. Uh, participating in sessions and um, and then I decided to move to London because I was like I just think music is what what I want to do so moved here because big city that was where all the opportunities were meant to be um, because I, I had been living in I've moved around England a little bit but I moved over uh, when I was uh, uh, much younger um, my whole family moved over to Devon, so I've, it's kind of Northern Ireland, Devon, and then I've moved around Oxford, Newbury, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, so so London was the place to be, and uh, it was only in late 2019 that I started writing my own music. Um, and it was strange, one day kind of a, a song just dropped out of the sky to me, a lyric with a, with a tune, I thought, oh, that must be from something. So I Googled it and Googled it, sang it into Shazam. It wasn't from anything. And I was like, God, this is me. So I wrote it. <laughs> and then it just kind of a total, never stopped Was it writing. a total song or is it like part of a song? Or? It was the first line of it with the with the lyrics. It's actually the song I'm producing in the studio at the minute. Um, and the first line of it is, hollow, swallow your fear. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it and I'll run with it. And then it just, the song kind of fell out of me. Yeah, amazing. Um, okay, that's really interesting then. So like from going from um, trying songwriting, thinking it wasn't for you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you were deciding like this is actually what, you know, you were hearing things and you were thinking, right, okay, I need to do something with this. And then yeah. it was taking you on that journey. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And um, that was like late 2019. Yeah. Um, so what happened next? Um, so then I thought this is, this is what I have to do. So I... Uh, first started by sending some original songs into um, a guy called Casey at BBC Radio Kent. Um, they, they used to do a wonderful thing called the Kent Sessions where they'd get artists in to play, to play live um, original songs and a cover. So I sent them into him thinking, oh, it was kind of the first time I played them to anyone. So I was thinking, oh God, this is, this is my reckoning really. Um, and he said, love it. Like, come on and play. Um, which was kind of the start in a real validation I guess from someone in the industry that these songs were good enough to be played on air um and they invited me in for a second Christmas session actually not long after that which was really cool um and then obviously you know March 2020 (laughs) as we all know as we all know coronavirus hit and um I think it really it was when 
everything was stripped away um, when every other distraction in life was gone. And I um, went down to Devon for, for a bit to stay with my parents. And when everything else was gone, it was just music left. And it just became so abundantly clear that nothing else was going to make me happy. Um, so in a way, it was not, not a blessing. I'm not going to use that term, but it was certainly an eye-opener for me. That I just thought this is absolutely what I have to do. And from then, I just started putting kind of every every waking moment and effort into into trying to make this a reality yeah um that's an amazing story and I, I'm sure like people will really relate to that as well because it was you know obviously I'm an artist and a songwriter as well and and I know a lot of artists and songwriters in the community and and it was such a tough time mm. and still is a tough time for a lot of people um deciding no you know obviously gigs had stopped um uh, every opportunities a lot of opportunities which were there were taken away and and mm. stuff like that and and a lot of people didn't know what to do some people were really productive some people just sort of froze and like well how do I handle this because it's such a huge overwhelming thing um and I love what you said there about um you know when everything was taken away it was almost a case of well even though it's so it was so difficult it's what you wanted to do particularly yeah. at that time you're like well why not? I'm gonna go for it. Mm. But it was a difficult time, and like windows of opportunity um, to get into studios, to to network, all that sort of stuff um, wasn't there. So, um, what did you, you know, how did you overcome that? And that must have been quite difficult for you. Yeah, um, it was especially because having kind of written a good, you know, four or five songs in in that late. 2019 I'd really wanted to get into a studio to to get them produced and I was left I think not only without that opportunity but also without the opportunity to um get out there and network with people which I I had been going to networking events within London before the coronavirus had hit um and I remember at the time there was you know posters up on the door and everyone was like coronavirus what even is that (laughs) and so that kind of everything was taken away then so that was really difficult. Um, but what I decided to do in the meantime was try and focus on who I wanted to be as an artist and take that downtime where I didn't have to be kind of worried about ever, everyone else moving on whilst I was taking that time out to decide who I wanted to be. It was kind of a great opportunity to do that. So kind of focused on my brand, focused on kind of my image, what did I want to say about myself, how did I want to be, what sort of music did I want to make, did I, did I want to change that, um, and try building my socials to, to get more of a presence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, how did you approach that then? Again, like, it must have been, um, obviously there was no networking nights, we were in lockdown, mm. so did you just sort of, this is like the other side of it, isn't it? Because you were an independent artist. You're not signed up. That's no, correct. No. So there's the other side of it. It's not just about creating the music. It is, like you say, it's about creating the brand. It's the creating, it's creating, well, how, how are you going to put your mo- music out there and promote it and, mm. and all that sort of stuff there and photos and, and everything. So, like, again, did you have, to, were you researching? Were you, like, looking what other people were doing? Or were you actually making contact with people as well? No, I just um, kind of just sat down and researched. Yeah. I looked at the artists that I thought were really cool um, and thinking, who do I want to be like and who do I not want to be like? Because 
in, in, in my head, I was thinking, uh, also, you know, I, I come from a folk tradition and, you know, being Irish and being, you know, pale and red hair. And I, I think I was very wary of that association with um, very, very traditional folk, which I didn't want to be pigeonholed into. And, you know, I absolutely love traditional folk, but that's not the sort of music I make. So I didn't want my appearance to suggest that it was and then it wouldn't align. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of, you know, looking at what very traditional folk imagery looked like and then looking at very contemporary stuff and thinking okay I need to I need to be somewhere in the middle here to to show that I'm a fusion yeah of this and it's a really good advice though because I think we all have to do that as well Mm. because we have to be everything I think these days as independent artists uh, particularly to stand out as well like um, you can stand out if you've got great songs but you need great songs and you need to have like a bit of a social media following you've also Mm. got to look like get some level of your branding there as well otherwise often the industry if you want the industry to come knocking on your door if you're not then that's totally fine but mm. if if you do want to have you know wider exposure and, and additional support you're almost having to do so much on your own as well so was that time good for you do you think to sort of actually just take a moment and not rush ahead and actually take stock about about all these things yeah I really think it was because it's the sort of time that you don't get when life is speeding ahead and when you're you know trying to organize a gig or you're oh I need to go to that friend's birthday when I said I'd sing here and oh god I need to write that song and and all of that goes by and you never get the time to sit back and reflect and think who am I as a in a very cynical way who am I as a product what do I look like what do people see when they look at me when they look at my imagery does the music make sense in creating that world and creating that person that they believe me to be and that I believe me to be? Does it, does it all tally up or does it not? So having that space was just useful in experimenting with different photos on Instagram, what did well, what didn't do well. And it was great because you knew everyone in the world was just on their phones. So, <laughs> so it was a great time to experiment with that and see what worked. I love what you said there, though, about, like, um, who you are as a product because people maybe um I think we it's quite ad, advanced sort of almost industry sort of thinking like that it's almost thinking it from a from an alternative perspective of of how be, how are you being viewed but still very much in your who you are as an artist perspective because mm. it sounds very clinical as in like marketing like yeah. what am I as a product but then you have to do that because ultimately if your look or um, does it make sense to your music mm. as in like or you're letting yourself down on things like social media and stuff like that as in like you're not producing as good enough quality images or not putting videos out there or whatever um, it can let you down it can make people overlook you can't it so so that's quite advanced is that was that something that you were told or was that something that again you were sort of like reading up about like how do you yeah, it's a total def- artist to, to be noticed. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was definitely something that I had always looked at. I'm always very um, interested in seeing how artists present themselves and then like how that aligns. Because most of the time, and I think it it's something that you don't notice. Do you know what I mean? So, for example, yeah. if you take um, God, I don't know, Ariana Grande, her image perfectly aligns with what she's doing. And if you look at someone who's a total comedian like Taylor Swift, every era of her music and everything that she does and, and, and changes about her music and the different style she evolves with, 
she changes her style subtly for each one of those things as well, mm-hmm. which tells people this is this is what you need to expect. Um, and I think it was just that realization of um, kind of just, I guess, years of trying to work it out and what appeals to people from kind of days of you know going to a pub and putting up picture that you took on your phone and <laughs> and thinking does this properly communicate to people who I am yeah just taking that to another level I guess because yeah. you're right I think I think it does sound cynical in a way but at, at the heart of it it's less cynical and more I put so much love and thought and emotion into my music is that what people know they're going to get from me does does that quality and that love is that reflected in everything in everything and everything i do so that's kind of what i was trying to trying to do with it yeah yeah and you definitely do i mean um, i love your images and and the look of if if um if anybody listening would like to go to your instagram account um you've got some amazing images on there as well what is your instagram just whilst we're on this topic what's your instagram Um, it's at i am blamed so i a m b l a n i d definitely go check those images out and and um, you mentioned obviously how you sound, how you've been compared to, and you also mentioned some artists there like Ariana Grande and how they're doing things. So, like as artists now, and also you know on your journey as well, who's inspired you? Yeah, and, and not just your music in all in different ways as well. Who's are who's been the ones that really stood out and inspired you? Hmm. Um, I think my my number one inspiration i think i have to say because uh she has been uh the soundtrack to my childhood um is a greek artist called nana muscuri um who my dad loves so we all sang her songs all the time um growing up actually along with uh my mom is a huge leonard cohen fan so there were these two you know massive influences in my life which i think have uh shaped the way I think about music and the way I write a lot as well so the wonderful thing about Nana Muscuri is she 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 didn't sing uh she didn't write her songs but um she gathered songs from a huge like hundreds and hundreds of folk traditions and people wrote songs for her and her interpretation is second to none she is I think you know one of the most gifted interpreters of all time along with um kind of her the beauty and the clarity in her voice and she's still performing <laughs> she's well into her 80s and she's still performing um so she's a, a massive icon for me and then leonard cohen as well is um i love artists who have a beautiful poetry in the way that they write um and you know nina simone's like that as well and then Rayla montagna and just these people who just reading the lyrics themselves you nearly don't need the music but the music elevates it to another level so those are the sorts of people that kind of define, I hope, define my sort of music. Yeah. And and when you're writing, what um, you mentioned lyrics being really, really important to you. Um, would you say that that's what you, as a writer, do first, or um, uh, or or is it melody first, or is it something else for you? How do you how do you write? Yeah, it's pretty much lyrics first for me. Um, I definitely write from uh, an experience perspective and I mean probably every writer does um but but for me it's um I usually think about something that has been bugging me or that I've been worried about or something that I find myself ruminating on a lot and the best way for me to deal with that is to put it into a song so I will always try and jot down lyrics or 
interesting words that I think, ooh, that just kind of sounds very interesting. Like, um, I remember Paolo Nutini has an album called Caustic Love, and I just thought, oh, that's such a wonderful, what a wonderful word, um, kind of to, to juxtapose against love there. So, yeah, I start from a lyric perspective and then wait for wait for some sort of melody to drop out and then and then the chords underneath I just think what's going to make this really interesting amazing and do you play any instrument as well or is it obviously singing is an instrument yeah um, anything else you do yes I play piano piano um and then over lockdown um I taught myself guitar amazing so do you write um collaboratively or do you sit and work with a guitar or piano at home um, yeah, Initially. I, yeah, I pretty much write just kind of on my own with a piano or a guitar. Um, though I would, I would love to do more co-writing sessions. I've I've done a couple of them, and it's just, I think for me, having been so insular, um, in terms of uh, kind of the way that I have worked, and I've only really gotten to know other people in the industry over the last year. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I have done has just been very insular so it's so interesting seeing how other people work and mm-hmm. how they write and it's fascinating yeah I mean songwriting is like one of my favorite subjects because I just find it it is fascinating mm. and um I was interviewing uh, Darla Jade yeah. um who you know from love uh, Darla yeah she's amazing <laughs> and, and saying similar things about um about that so yeah it's 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 just a never-ending subject and it's always like there's always something to learn mm, yeah <laughs> isn't it music and, and songwriting everything there's always something you're always striving to get I, I can be better I can be better and it's, yeah I find that fascinating myself um so uh that's really it's really great and um you mentioned there so we've not completed your story yet so <laughs> you were locked in lockdown started mm-hmm. building um, your brand up um, and started working on your music and working on like well when when you as soon as you're able to mm-hmm. um share be ready for it that sort of thing yeah then what happened so what time was this like middle last year or end last year or? yeah so this is middle last year so I was kind of focusing on building my um my Instagram following um and kind of posting covers and honing honing my brand and um and I was also keeping a lookout for a producer who who I wanted to be able to, you know, take... Because I, I had thought about... I did actually have Fool's Gold, which is my first single. I did have it out in an acoustic form on Spotify. Um, but I wanted to really kind of take the songs to the next level. So I was, um, I was put in touch with a wonderful producer called Duncan Pym, who I'm still working with. And we did Fool's Gold together um, in... I think, God, I think it was December? December or November 20, 2020. And then I released it in March 2021. And um, yeah, I, I love working with Duncan. I think sometimes, I mean... I How did you meet him? How did you find him? Uh, so I was, I was put in touch. I, I met someone at um, BBC Introducing Live um, a, few, uh, a few years back. When it was um, last time, 2019. Yeah, yes. It was either, I think it might have actually been 2018. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and um, uh, she, she, she was wonderful and she put me in touch with Duncan. And you were in London at the time? Yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't. I travelled up to London, especially for BBC introducing. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then uh, and then decided to make the move to London. I think it was very shortly after that. I think it was maybe the month or so after that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Even boots, fools, gold. 
it's funny, isn't it? Uh, there's been a bit of a, a, a thread from all the interviews I've done this week about just taking a step and, and a leap forward and just, just mm-hmm. going for it and seeing where it takes you. Do you think that's very true with your journey, sort of like not necessarily knowing too far ahead, but just going with it because it feels like it's the right direction? Absolutely. Like, I... Um, I said this to so many people and I'm so glad that it keeps being reflected back to me. I just say, I am, I feel like I'm randomly stabbing in the dark all the time and I just, something comes away and I'm like, sure, let's, let's do that. Or I'm just trying to chase down a million different things and not knowing if anything's really right. And having talked to um, some kind of much higher industry people through Clubhouse app, um, it's been such a relief to know that that never goes away <laughs> that feeling of just stabbing in the dark and waiting to see what happens which is definitely a relief yeah um well let's talk about clubhouse mm. as well because that had a big impact on you as well so um we met through clubhouse yes. didn't we um so for people that don't know it's a, it's, a, it's an audio platform um and particularly in the, in the winter lockdown that in the UK that we've just had um it went live as an app didn't it yeah. um and um because nothing was open basically everybody was on that app from mm-hmm. from the music side of things so how did you hear about that and then and how did that impact you in terms of your story and and, and releasing music yeah so I first heard of Clubhouse through um, a friend of mine. Um, she said, oh, there's this new app called Clubhouse, you'll have to get on it. And I was like, oh, okay, but they were kind of limiting the list. So I just joined up to the wait list and didn't think much of it. Um, and then it happened a friend of a friend of mine got him in and then he got me in and I was like, God, this is incredible. So I was on it at quite an early stage in the UK version, um, which was a blessing um, it was amazing as more and more people started joining and loads of music rooms started spurting up from nowhere um, and just names that you never thought that you'd see. Like um, there's a there's a folk room that happens weekly on there, which uh, Eliza Carthy hosts, who is huge in the folk world. Like her and her family and her father, Martin Carthy, are just massive. And being able to talk to someone who is like a folk, you know, icon was mm-hmm. was incredible. Um and then there were kind of more kind of the industry focused rooms. So it was amazing getting to play my music to people in the States and, um, you know, people who had associations with Def Jam Records, um, listening, giving feedback to, to my stuff. It was it was an incredible experience. Yeah. And, and what happened from that? Did you was it just connections that you made or um, I know you well, I heard you in the BBC. The, so BBC introducing we're yes. doing a radio UK radio room, weren't yes. they? Um, and that's how I think I first um, met you. And also the Live Up Late and the, and the Write Like a Girl room as well, yeah. such I know you, you were part of that we mm. were... Because again, the, that was like the only way we could talk to people. Yeah. Um, and it was across industry. It was mm-hmm. incredible who you could speak to. And still can, there's still a lot happening. Obviously, obviously things are opening up now. Mm. Um, but uh, I know from previously speaking to you that that BBC Introducing Room as well had quite a big impact, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. So, yeah, so that uh, room is run by James Threlfall, who's a BBC Introducing presenter, and Dave Rajan, who's head of radio and TV at Part of Him Records. So they decided to set up a room each week just to kind of clarify things about radio in the industry. Um, 
and they would get a guest speaker in each week. Um, and so me and Darla had the kind of same experience with that. So they invited in um, the, the producer for uh, Radio One's Chillist show. Um, and um, me and Darla, um, you know, played him our music and um, he liked it and, and, de- and decided, Shana Larry liked it as well. So he decided to play it, um, which was just incredible i cried when i heard it it though because i always listen to the chillest show and then and i heard it and i was like because i already heard your song so i was thinking i was singing along to it and then i was like hang on a minute (laughs) (laughs) and then obviously i saw your instagram post and everything which is brilliant of you listening to it it was it was such a crazy moment because um i i didn't know for sure that it would be played and um i was i was down visiting my parents at the time and I was at the other end of the house. I was in my room, my old room. And um, I was kind of getting ready to post something on Instagram because that's where I get the best internet because Devon so it's, it just means it's in one room of the house. Um, and um, I suddenly got a tweet came through um, from the BBC Radio 1 bot mm-hmm. just saying, now I'm playing I Am Blood and Fool's Gold. And I was like, what? So I sprinted to the other end of the house where my family were watching the TV and I just started like gabbling as I turned the TV and I turned on the radio and I couldn't, I was so het up, I couldn't even tell for a moment if it was even my song that was playing and then it was and then I just held up the radio and cried. My sister had the initiative to just be like, I'll, I'll, I'll film this, I should film this. <laughs> Capture the moment. Yeah. But the thing about it was, is that was also like the, which is such a nice thing to, to have his success, particularly mm. at that time as well. And it was just like, yes, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> that's what I loved about it so much. And like, you know, connecting like that through like an audio network on like, audio only clubhouse mm. but it was almost a case of we were like forming like a little bit of a, a bit of a group as well and yeah. supportive group and it was just so lovely to hear you and Dala have that success it's like yes do you know what I mean uh, particularly when when it's so hard to be heard any other way because there was no networking yeah there was no nothing and, and obviously it was a way and you got through and your music was being played on radio one which must have been an incredible feeling it's kind of insane like I had um on my list of kind of things I wanted to achieve this year I was like you know some radio play by which I meant (laughs) (laughs) by which I had meant you know I'm going to contact a lot of community radio stations and kind of do this and that sort of thing and you know maybe some regional BBC stations as well pick it up but Radio One I never imagined in my And when was it? When was it actually played? It was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was played three times actually, Mm -hmm. um, which was incredible. Um, And it was, I think it was first played early April and then it was played uh, the second time. It was a couple of weeks later and then the third time they played it on the Easter kind of afternoon show, which was amazing. And what happened? So so that was a great platform and obviously Mm. you... um, uh, your music was being played on national radio, which is incredible. Any what, what was the repercussions from that? So for people listening, I'm sure, mm. like if you're an artist, to be played on radio, you know, radio one is such an it's like it's, it's just brilliant. It's such an amazing feeling, and it's such an amazing achievement. Mm-hmm. For you know what happened next in terms of recognition, was it like oh, 
was it a big climax and then like what am I going to do now or was it was it like oh you know opportunities came in so from your perspective what was the experience of it yeah um I mean I definitely did see a spike in um listens and and followers on Spotify um and I kind of uh posted that same clip on TikTok as well and got in a, a load of followers and new fans from that which was great um I think the the number one thing for me is that that is now such an incredible base to build on for my next singles I'm kind of building something which is which is a journey and which is a story about me um I think and being being able to have that as a as you know radio one play for a debut single is Mm -hmm. just um (laughs) it's just amazing so um I think the the result of that is still actually to come mm-hmm. um and the and the impacts of that are are still kind of are still to come like it's yeah. a ripple effect isn't exactly it? it's like so um we said this before it's like sometimes like when you're creating things it's like you're throwing pebbles into a river and then it's creating they create their own little ripples and stuff yeah. like that until they fade out but sometimes you get a big rock and it's like created this huge thing it's like oh my god that one thing that i did has just created this like an amazing thing and it's just like the more rocks and pebbles you can throw out there the the, exactly. the more that can happen yeah, <laughs> really exactly. you have no idea what's <laughs> gonna happen so so I, I love that that's fantastic and it's such a great good news story and it's just such a it's just a brilliant thing to hear that you know that happened and everything and it's a it's a beautiful song so you're so writing much. at the moment, mm-hmm. you're co-writing as well, collaborating with different people. Yes. Um, so yeah, this summer, what, what have you been up to and uh, what's next for you? Yeah. Um, so I've been, so yeah, so I've been collaborating with people and, and, and writing this summer um, with some people um, I met on Clubhouse, um, which has been really cool, both kind of here in the UK um, and across the water as well. I've had some writing sessions with some people in the US and in Canada, which has been really great. Um, I uh, have produced, uh, I've got one song, it's going to be my next single, it's called Dead Men Dancing, which I'm oh, super excited about, so exciting. I've been working on the photo shoot for that at the minute. When's that out? Um, I, th- I don't have a date yet, but okay. it'll be in October. Um, I think probably mid-October. Okay, so people want to follow you um, on your social media, like Instagram, and we'll go through, I'll go through all that and list it out for, for everybody as well. Um, so they can get to... Have you got a mailing list or anything like that? Or um, they can find I don't out have about a it? mailing list yet, which is quite bad. I need to get one you set up. I do. <laughs> But um, I will set that up. Um, but uh, yeah, for the, for the minute, probably my Instagram's the best place to go. Yeah, yeah. so to find out um, when that drops and get on your pre-saved list mm, and everything. Exactly. Pre-saves are very important. Um, uh, great. And so like, are you, are you write, are they writing just for you? Or are you working with other people for other artists or briefs? Um, and you also had a bit of the news this week as well. I did Let's go through that as well. I did, yeah. Um, it was, you know, it seems it seems funny to talk about it now because I, I wasn't allowed to talk about it for so long. I'm nearly like, oh god, can I say now? But of, co- of course I can because it's like, um, I for the past year and a half, um, I've been working with um a wonderful Canadian composer, um called Brian Oliveira. And um, he uh, is a, uh, a video game and, and a film um, composer. And he reached out to me. Um, it was back in around um, April, May 2020, um, about uh, a new exciting project that he had, which was um, 
and it's just been released uh, on Monday. Um, Netflix uh, have have produced um, an anime film um, of The Witcher. It's a it's a prequel to the TV series. Um, so it's called uh, The Witcher: Nightmare of the Wolf, and focuses mm-hmm. on the. Uh, Geralt's uh, predecessor, who's called Vesemir. So you've got music on a Netflix show. I I am singing on a Netflix <laughs> film, which is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, again, it's like it's like a songwriter goal, isn't it? It's like this it was. Is what I it do. was just. It was just so strange. Like so. Um, so Brian, Brian would send me over um, a, a piece of music, and I'd kind of I know what was happening in the scene, and um, I was I'm kind of singing at some very poignant moments in there, and I would just kind of do he just kind of said do do whatever you want over mm-hmm. the top so I just kind of did all these vocalizations and this sort of stuff and really tried to get the emotion of the scene but it's crazy now watching it and looking at the scene and then my voice just comes on <laughs> like that's insane <laughs> <laughs> and um it's insane seeing my name in the credits as well so um I'm buried, I'm buried somewhere on Netflix now which is amazing <laughs> And how is it like writing for Sync compared to writing for your artist projects? Is that being, has it been quite different? And you, you sort of alluded to it there really about like trying to get into the emotion of the scene and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, you know, how has it been different working on um, Sync? Um, I think for me, the difference is you can't ever be precious about what you're doing because at the end of the day, it's not your vision, it's someone else's. Um, so it's, for me, it's about listening and then putting aside any... Because um, I think, uh, I mean, everyone, you know, whenever you send your work, I should be criticised. It's always like, oh, no. Um, but I think the thing with Sync, and actually the wonderful freeing thing, is that it's not a piece of your soul that's being judged. It's simply, like, your work and what you're doing. Um, so that, in a way, is really nice. Um, but it's also nice to have a brief to... Um, or, you know, like, for example, like Brian would send me over, like, an orchestral piece... And it's nice to just be able to do anything that you want with it and then send it back and be like, is this good? And then they'll be like, yeah, you're like, sick, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I loved it. I, I had so much fun um, kind of vocalising for that. So, yeah. It's just like a different extension of songwriting, though, isn't yeah. it? It's like there's so many different ones. It's like writing for yourself, writing for sync is a different yeah. thing. And also, you know, different sync projects are different things that you can do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or writing for other people, it's like trying to get into well who's it for and and mm. why writing this and and I suppose yeah understanding the scene and understanding the purpose of it you're getting it almost into a character for, for that piece of work aren't you yeah yeah exactly um and what I did really enjoy about doing the stuff for the witcher is that it gave me the opportunity to tap into that real I mean one to use my voice as an instrument but two to also tap into kind of really great folk vocalizations which I don't really get to use a lot so like a lot of trills and stuff like that um which which was really nice to explore and how like um we've talked about a lot about writing but Mm. obviously your voice as well like do you do you have to have lessons do you like how do you maintain it or are you just singing so much at the moment yeah um so I made the decision to have um to get singing lessons um also during lockdown, um, so I'd, I'd had a couple uh, uh, before um, with a with a great woman that I work with who's called Hannah, Hannah Lisa, and um, then when lockdown struck, we decided let's just keep doing this over Zoom. And the I'm only sorry I didn't get the singing lesson sooner because just the improvement that has happened to my voice has just been amazing, and um, you know it kind of being 
my instrument and our instruments it's so important to keep it healthy yeah. and just to learn to sing in a healthy way and to not um not not damage it in any way so so yeah it's been absolutely wonderful kind of kind of doing that and getting a classical training which helps support even though I don't sing in a classical style just to kind of help support me yeah, yeah. um we we obviously don't fo- focus on that and you really should as singers and artists and stuff like that it's like you know we have to work on so much mm. um including keeping your voice healthy and everything and another area is live and performing live are you looking to perform live um are you performing live have you got any gigs lined up yes so um i've got uh, a gig on the 23rd of november at the half moon in putney amazing is the tickets left um i don't think the tickets have come out yet it's um i'm, I'm pretty sure that's the date i think it's <laughs> Um, and then I'll have another one um, as part of a lineup um, in uh, in December at the um, Old Queen's Head in Islington. Um, but again, the date the date for that's a little TBC. Um, so just just waiting to hear back on that one. But yeah, are you actually looking for? Are you pushing? Because you are independent. You're not, yes, so, I am. Yeah, so, I, I, so am, you looking I am. I am actively to... looking for for gigs. Um, and I mean, especially for support acts as well. I would love to to be a support act um, to. To an artist, because it's a great way to get out there and get a new audience um, and stuff like that. And so, is this yeah. is like a new area because, um, again, as part of the other interviews, it's been something we've touched on already about like getting gigs and looking for gigs. Is this something that um, you're well, obviously you're in London now? Is this something that you're comfortable doing, or is it like a new area that you're learning how to actually uh, get the gigs? And, and as an independent and new artist, mm. has that been a bit of a challenge, and how are you overcoming it? it absolutely is like a challenge for me I'm not used to getting gigs or kind of I'm still very much learning um on on that side of things and learning mm-hmm. kind of where what venues suit me is, is my music suited to that will people be listening or will they be like talking and laughing while I'm kind of performing um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing but because my music's quite intimate it's probably not appropriate for that sort of venue so it's very much um I'm in a <laughs> I'm in a research phase at the minute so I'm trying to go around um, looking at different places, looking at lists people have made online or that um, kind of journalists have made online and checking them out. And then the laborious process of inquiring, going, do you need someone and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if that's that's the way to do it, but um, I figured it was a good way to start. It's a good, very good way to start. I think, it, yeah, it's just connect, making the connections and going, right, how am I going to do this? And you are mm. getting gigs because you've got, you've got two. <laughs> so, um, and again, um I'm assuming tickets will be on sale. Do you do live gigs as well, like online or anything like that? So I did during the pandemic. I did do a kind of live streams um, on on Facebook. Um, but um, how did you find that? It was, was it difficult. It was strange, you know, because um, I think it was strange on two counts. One, um, I, as I'm sure every other performer does, um, feeds off of the audience and the energy of the audience and what they're giving back to you. Um, and that's what makes it really special. It's it's the audience. Um, so not being able to feel the reaction um, was a little strange, um, especially sometimes I should say something between songs and then obviously there'd just be a silence because it's just you <laughs> no in your room. <laughs> um, but then also even kind of, you know, you'd still get the adrenaline kind of of a performance, but then afterwards you just shut your laptop down and then it's just you at home in your room and mm. it's just kind of empty and silent yeah um so which was 
very anticlimactic. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm definitely looking forward to performing live in again. front of people and mm. getting that reaction from the Absolutely, audience yeah if people want to support your music is it just digital at the moment have you got any merch have you got any cds or vinyl or anything like that or is it just downloads at the moment yeah it's fine? just it's just downloads at the minute mm -hmm. um getting kind of more physical stuff to sell is definitely definitely on my radar um but i think uh that's probably more for when i have uh, more songs out um, because I don't know if I can ask people to buy merch when I have one original song <laughs> at the minute. So, um, so yeah. You never know. People do want to support <laughs> you and everything. Um, well, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for this interview um, well, and, and, and speaking about your music and everything. I know you're very much at the very start of your journey and I know like you've had some amazing success already um, this year and I'm really excited to see where, you know, where this is going to go for you and, and, and everything. Um, as I said to the other people that have been interviewed, it'd be great to, like, come back and interview again, maybe in a few years' time Absolutely. as well, and, and see, like, what happened next and everything. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But for everybody, but it's like, this is this is the thing, it's like trying to get, because um, uh, I, I, I just think your songs are so incredible, and you're an amazing artist, and it's just trying to get, you know, um, people aware of you as an artist through the Live Now Play Later platform and, and going, right, okay, if you love what we're hearing as well, please come and support you, please. Mm -hmm. So if you do like uh, Fool's Gold and the music that you're releasing, please do follow um, you on Instagram and TikTok and <laughs> where else is there? Twitter, Twitter Facebook. I'm, I'm the same handle across across all socials. And can you just repeat that handle again for people? Yes, so it's I am Blonid, B-L-A-N-I-D. And obviously on Spotify and mm -hmm. Apple, all the different ones if people want to listen to it and help. So you've got, how many songs are out at the moment? So I have one original and one cover out, but on my YouTube, um, I have I have an abundance uh, of different covers if you want to listen to some of the stuff I've done. And you're on the new series on one of the tracks, soundtracks for The Witcher as well. Yes, the anime film for, anime for film. The Witcher, yeah. Amazing. So please do check out um, uh, your Instagram and your social media and, and the music. And if you do love what you're hearing from Blonid, then please, uh, yeah, go and get tickets for a gig and buy your music <laughs> when it comes out, which will be fantastic. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, it's been great to actually meet you in person. Yes, and absolutely. Talk to you in person Women in just the music industry meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you.